0: Hello, this is Goodwin, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Vulture Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. What even is a joke, though, you might be thinking? You know, or you're not, but but I sure am, like, like all the time. Because sometimes a joke is a scene, sometimes it's a sketch, sometimes it's a joke. For today's episode, the joke is a real letter published in the Portsmouth, New Hampshire Summer Guide. That's because the guest is Eugene Merman, a comedian always looking for new ways to present his comedy and incorporate his real life into it. And to be fair, the letter was written with the intention of being read out loud in front of people. Eugene explains everything in the joke, so it all makes sense soon enough. Uh, one thing to note, there is a second clip later in the episode that's partly visual, so just so you know, the paintings look really silly. The interview was recorded live from the Montreal Just for Last Festival, if you're wondering why the audience was laughing in French. Now, I'll let Eugene explain why he was so angry at the city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire.
1: So last summer uh, I went to Portsmouth, New Hampshire with my girlfriend, we went to, it's a lovely sort of seaside town, and we went and uh, we rented a car and we parked it in a parking garage and we got a little ticket that you put in the dashboard and we did everything. We walked around and then when we got back to the car I saw that there was like a ticket on the windshield. And I was like, what, like how could I have parked wrong? Like I was so baffled, I was like, what could this possibly be for? And I looked at the ticket when I got there, and the violation was parked in wrong direction. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) So, so we had backed, we had backed the car up uh, into the spot, which apparently in New Hampshire is uh, quite illegal. (laughs) Um, And I looked at like the thing that we put in the dashboard to see if there was any way we could have known this. And the ticket says, This ticket permits you to park in accordance with the regulations. I think we all know what those are. Who doesn't know the regulations in Portsmouth, New Hampshire? This ticket must be displayed clearly on your vehicle dashboard and the vehicle parked correctly. Two opportunities to say, like... They mean don't back up into a spot, because nobody would park across three spots, spray paint, fuck you on it, and walk away. So they literally mean don't back up, but they don't say it twice. I, uh, I became furious. The ticket was for 15, $15. I paid it right away. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, these people are thieves. They're criminals. I was so bad at them because there would be no way to know this law. And I was like, I wonder how I could let Portsmouth know how disappointed I am in them. And so we had spent the day walking around using this lovely harbor guide uh, full of, you know, ads for seafood places and whatnot. And I was like, maybe I can take out a full-page ad with a letter (laughs) to them that would be there for the year. So this is run by the Chamber of Commerce. And I reached out to them and I was like, I'd love to take out a full-page ad. It's It's a letter to your city about a ticket I got. And they were literally like, yes, let's do it. In the email, hashtag fearless. (laughs) They're like, we'll publish your letter. Uh, I sent them the letter. Next day, hey, uh, we can't publish. We will lose all the other advertising. I was like, ah, but I really want to let everybody know. So there's another independent guide that's much bigger. It's distributed there, uh, their summer guide. It's all, both are, like, for, like, the run of the year. Like, they're all summer. It's, like, for the whole time. And I emailed them, and I was like, could you, will you run my letter to your city about how mad I am at the parking there? And they were like, yes. (laughs) So this summer, there will be a full-page ad along with restaurant recommendations of why I am mad at the city of Portsmouth. (laughs) And this is the letter that will be a full-page ad for the entire summer. (laughs) As people are like, ooh, that looks like a good lobster place. Ooh, this comedian is quite mad about a ticket. (laughs) Is willing to pay a hundred times that ticket. (laughs) Anyway, here's the letter that will run. Dear Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and especially the parking clerk's office. Last June, I had a wonderful day walking around in your historic downtown with my girlfriend. I bought two puppets who turned out to be gay. (laughs) Just kidding, they're puppets. We stopped in cute shops, ate a popover, and saw Black David Cross. It was nice. Then when we returned to our car, on my windshield was a ticket. What could this possibly be for, I thought? I paid for three hours of parking, but only used two. You're welcome, Portsmouth. (laughs) Is it a crime in Portsmouth to not use all the parking you bought? How do you know I'd be back early? Do you have a pre-crime division? Why are your precogs working on traffic tickets? Shouldn't they be out preventing street performers before they happen? (laughs) But no, I read the violation. We backed into a spot and were fined $15 for being, quote, parked in the wrong direction. What kind of a horse shit charge is that? (laughs) It's illegal to back into a spot? Before I embarrass myself, I just want to make sure that Portsmouth is still inside the United States and not considered a part of Iran. (laughs) You're probably thinking, well, if before visiting Portsmouth like everyone else, you'd simply first gone to the city clerk's office website, clicked on City of Portsmouth Ordinances, and looked in Chapter 7, Vehicles, Traffic, and Parking, right there in Section 7.316, back to curb. It says no vehicle shall remain backed up to the curb. This is factually accurate information. (laughs) Similarly, if you had gone to my website before, I came to your city and clicked on Eugene's ordinances, you'd know that in Chapter 1 under Fuck You, Don't Steal My Money, in Section 8.215, it says, Fuck You, Don't Steal My Money! Thank But even if I had gone to your website, it states that the online ordinances are not an official copy. That for the official ordinances, I have to call 610-7245. Why no area code? Am I calling from a local landline in 1986? But instead, I foolishly looked around for signs, both real and from God. I saw nothing, but I heard God's voice, and he said, This is fucking bullshit. (laughs) You need to write them a letter. (laughs) Lastly, as you know, New Hampshire's state motto is General John Stark's celebrated quote, Live free or die. Which he famously said before attempting the first recorded self-BJ. If John Stark was alive today, he would be 287 years old. (laughs) Also, right after learning about cars, General Stark would then be disgusted to discover Portsmouth doesn't even give people the freedom to back into a spot, (laughs) which, by your own state's twisted logic, turns my $15 ticket into a fight to the death. (laughs) With great disappointment, Eugene Merman. So now the person
0: behind that joke, Mr. Eugene Merman. Hello. <laughs> Thank you uh, for joining us. So sure. I, I wanted to back up a little bit before even this story um And talk about kind of your your background, and and maybe it's a Jewish thing, maybe it's not. And I was telling you, my family comes from the same town you grew up. Um, And and in my mind, there's kind of two people who complain. There's either, like, immediate complainers who are yelling, or there's letter writers. Uh, (laughs) What is your – do you come from a family of letter writers?
1: Were you – No, I feel like in my family – like, in Russia, no one wrote, like, a like, dear government, my brother has been disappeared. And I am very disappointed. Um, <laughs> so, no, I mean, in that sense, I, you know, I don't know. I, I wrote in, ninth, so when I was in college in 1993, I wrote a letter to MCI <laughs> because of, like, they sent me something with, like, an ad that was like about like family or something and then anyway i wrote like a joke letter a long long time <laughs> ago and then sort of continued the tradition throughout my life so
0: you got the ticket on june 16th 2013 at two thirty-one p.m. Based, which i saw you had you tweeted it so there's the time and then you tweeted yeah. it at, at 4 p.m. um you know walk me through the steps of how this went from an annoying thing that happened in your life to specifically something you might build a bit around
1: So, so I mean, what happened is we, so we parked in a garage and, and obviously we backed into the spot, but, but other cities have that law. What they do is they tell you about it. (laughs) Um, they'll put up a sign that says like front end parking only. And so, I well, I was sort of I was just sort of shocked. I was like, well, that's crazy. Like there's no way anyone could know this ordinance. There are no signs. I returned also like a year later or 2 years later to be like, well, I bet they've fixed it now. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's no signs. And so I kind of was like this is one of those things where like a city makes money off of this kind of like mm-hmm. little little loophole and I found it in enraging ra- because like I parked in a garage. I did everything I thought I was supposed to. And also, the result of what we did wrong didn't seem that dangerous, yeah. and I know that it was slight, but it felt infuriating. It felt like a city intentionally stealing your money, and obviously, uh, and so I paid the ticket, of course, because like I don't really want to get into like a like I don't want to drive to New Hampshire and be like, let's get do this in court. Um, but I was like, but I'll make fun of the town, um, and then I'll try to get that into all the news.
0: <laughs> so how quickly from, how sort of that thought process through, you're like okay, I'm annoyed by this, and it will make fun of it, how, is that in immediately, is that like a day later? So or?
1: it's, so I was immediately like, angry, sure. like I was like, uh, we were I think heading to see Man of Steel um, <laughs> uh, now my wife and I, and and I'm sure that she was like uh, yeah, it's annoying, but come on like <laughs> this is like, you seem really to me, it was sort of this principle of like uh, it was wrong, and, and, yeah, and then I'm always sort of thinking of, like, oh, well, maybe I could do something funny with it, you know. And and then also, like, I mean, that is the... Like, I found the actual ordinance on their website. Yeah. Like, it, like, that is the ordinance. It is very difficult <laughs> to find. Uh, and it would be clearly insane for people to investigate every place they visit their ordinances. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a, sl- a few-day process of me becoming... Sort of angry and then wondering what I could do mm-hmm. that was uh, funny. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and seemed like re- reasonably, uh, meaning like upset, but not like, oh, like Ann Coulter, Delta upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I've, I mean, I've gotten to perform that in Portsmouth, and that's actually how it ended up being published in an actual summer guide. And one of the things I found out was that parking is a big contentious thing there for the people there. Like mm-hmm. they all are annoyed by. It. That's like one of the things the town is frustrated with.
0: So by. you like tapped into sort of like actually a very powerful piece of political satire when you're just being annoyed. Uh, yeah, a
1: little or yeah, well like the same way that when I did a Time Warner letter, like that also tapped into people's hatred of cable companies. <laughs> um you mentioned
0: that it started from anger and I think when people think of your comedy, it doesn't come off as like you're an angry comedian. Is sort of anger often this part where you start out and then you're like, well, I can't just... I'm not an angry comedian on stage.
1: Right. Well, I think that you also have to figure out what to make fun of in a way where you don't... where you seem like petty in all the right ways. Yeah. (laughs) You know, where you seem uh, upset in a sort of either reasonable or comical way. And that, yeah, you don't come off as... I mean, I think it's just more effective um, when either dealing with, you know, any company or you want. I mean, it's not like I – in this instance, sometimes, like, you want a result. Like, I once made fun of Sears after having a very frustrating experience with a dryer I bought from them. Uh, And it's like I, like, talked to them for so long and, like, kept calling all this (laughs) stuff. And then finally, like, it broke me. And I, like, like, posted something on Facebook that was, like, if you want, like, the experience of buying, like – a dryer for Sears, like throw one thousand dollars into the ocean and call <laughs> Eastern Europe about it, <laughs> and that led them to to slowly like go like, oh wait, uh, hey, how could we help you? <laughs>
0: um, as you mentioned, you at this point you had already done like a complaint letter in your act. Yeah, I was wondering if you could kind of vocalize the thought process of okay, that's how I would go about this, where like maybe a different comedian might just tell a story as is. You know, like. You you are a comedian that would do yeah. this with it.
1: So yeah, it's funny. I did it. I mean, I do. You know, both times I sort of was like, well, this will be the letter bit that I do, and then I'm like, and I probably won't do that again. And then like a thing happens, and it just makes sense in this context, and it feels both different enough and also like reasonable, um, and like and funny. So yeah. Also, it was like in this instance, it was a you know, a, like, five-month summer guide or whatever it was. Like, it came out in this one item that exists the whole summer for everyone who visits that Which town. Which felt like a,
0: enough of an escalation. <laughs> yeah, it felt like
1: enough of an escalation.
0: Um, so when you're conceptualizing doing a thing like this, what do you think you, it needs? Like, I think you're like, oh, there's a complaint letter. But, like, for it to be a whole piece that you do on state. Um, uh,
1: well, well, funny. Yeah, sorry. So, I mean, but, but maybe more like,
0: about pieces would it maybe
2: need?
1: I think it needs to be as sort of succinct and funny and accurate. And it's hard because sometimes there's like, I'm sure there's lots of details and random things that are like a little funny that are left out that you have to cut in order to sort of not be like, and another thing, (laughs) like you did this wrong. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think that there's, I mean, in general, when I do these letters, I will try it on stage for a long time until I'm like, okay, pretty much everything gets a laugh or is like, I feel necessary and then I will, will reach out route to someone about publishing it. I mean, the thing about New Hampshire that was different than Time Warner is it's not hard to find somebody who will let you run a letter making fun of Time Warner, but to call a town and go like, I'm a little annoyed at your town <laughs> and I run this ad. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce, who ran a summer guide at first, was like, absolutely, like we are. This will be fun. <laughs> and then when they, uh, I was like, all right. And the letter isn't like terrible or anything. Um there's then they were like, "Oh no, sorry. Like this will genuinely upset our businesses." <laughs> and then this other, like, you know, very very popular summer guide, the other main summer guide, was like, "We'll totally do it." Did
0: like, you tell the other southern guide that the first one said no? Like, was it? They yeah, were well. They were, they were I was going to do it with... in
1: both. I was sort of like, "I'll do both. Like this will be whoever <laughs> whoever says yes is fine." The other said yes. Sorry, the the the, the, business, the chamber of commerce said yes. They were like, I think they even like had like hashtag bold, like it was like a really funny like a hundred percent were yeah. in, and they were like, uh, uh, the the diamond store might not be a fan of this, <laughs> and then, I mean, they were very nice about it, and I sort of wasn't like, oh, that's very surprising to me.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so I was gonna ask if you had tried the letter out. On stage, which is- yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I generally, all the sort of things like that, you just sort of try at various shows and you kind of tweak until, you know, basically every part is working.
0: What was the f- sort of first draft of it like?
1: Uh, it was just, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> no, uh, I don't remember. I, You know what, I, I wish I remembered, the, because I'm sure what there were is probably jokes or things that got cut or maybe changed. Or maybe you, like, uncover, like, oh, that's the... You know, I think it was like trying to figure out how to make live free or die work in a specific context. Yeah. You know, both historical and and sexual jokes. Really great.
0: (laughs) I mean, uh, other than, I mean, this is a situation where, for the most part, you're going to be completely writing the thing out, opposed to like a a bit you might work out on stage by, I guess you might riff on a little bit, but is, you know, what is, I guess I'm trying to think, is, um, you know, like a part like that. What are you trying out? You know, how do you are rephrasing it? What is kind of?
1: Well, you're uh, so you're trying to explain the situation, and you're trying to explain why you find certain things outrageous. Well, also, like I remember, you know, like 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 looking at the actual ticket and what it says. Like even the one that you put in your dash. Like yeah. I forget what versions I had. Where like, there's two times that they could tell you don't back into a spot, and they both time are mm-hmm. confusing about it. And it's like conveying detail, certain details like that. And then I think coming up with the joke about it. Cause there'll be like certain factual information that is like, okay, that's kind of funny, but the joke isn't like, that's, that's silly. Like you yeah. have to think of a joke part uh, <laughs> that you add to it. So it's, probably just trying different versions of that
0: is there a matter of sort of balancing the jokes that are inside it with sort of the larger joke which is that this is something that's actually going to be published so sort of the joke is that this is a letter that exists so you have to yes. just have the fact that it exists with sort of specific Th-
1: that's why you know in a lot of stuff like a lot of my bits i hold things up and a lot of it is not because i necessarily expect somebody to see the actual like like picture of a facebook thing or whatever it is it's mostly to convey like this is real like this is a thing in the real world that i did i'm not lying yeah. um and holding up a m- like the a mag like the newspaper and being like this is the ad like yeah. i took out an ad i bought it here's the like rate card <laughs> you know uh i think that there's something that makes it uh connect m- more because it's it's real yeah, and that's sort of why because it's true that i could just go like I did this thing, and you'd be like, all right, and then just, like, say the stuff. But I think there's something kind of nice yeah. to having it validated in front of you. When I, was, when I was in college, so I majored in comedy at a uh, fairly liberal <laughs> art school, uh, and I did this, like, open mic in the basement of my dorm, and there weren't really... other. At least there were people who were interested in doing comedy or improv or storytelling, and, you know, it was just sort of this mishmash of stuff. And I would try kind of all sorts of things, like letters and weird bits and stories and jokes and, you know, all of it. And kind of like whatever worked as my act is what would Mm -hmm. then be my act. And so I kind of always had random bits. It was sort of the the only rule was like it just made the audience laugh. And then it stayed. And if it was weird and didn't, I could fix it until I couldn't (laughs) and then it had to go.
0: You mentioned you know the goal is, and you've talked about like you're not just doing performance art. Your goal is to make people laugh. Yes, but I I think there is different schools of thought inside of comedy where there's this sort of means like a comedian is a person who can make any audience laugh. Where and 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 I was wondering your kind of thought on that as a comedian who's someone known for carving out their own spaces for things. Is there sort of line of who who is the amount of people that you're comfortable like you're. You know, because you're not working it out in like, you're working out different rooms and maybe different cities,
1: but. Right, though I would say that largely, you know, like, like I toured, say, opening for Flight of the Concords or mm-hmm. when we do Bob's Burgers, I guess. But like, meaning Flight of the Concords is like five to 10,000 people. And people would always go, like, like, what do you do at those shows? Like, I have like a secret <laughs> act that destroys for 10,000 people <laughs> that I refuse to do at other spaces. <laughs> And it's like, oh, well, in those, like, in those shows, I do all my U2 covers. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think that largely that sort of, I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say like you have to make everybody laugh, yeah. but the goal within reason, like meaning if you're doing a joke or you're doing a bit or something and it's not working, I think that the goal is to first look at yourself and figure out what you can do to make it work. Rather than go, like, you know, they're terrible. And, of course, like, if you're in a room full of, like, you know, drunken, distracted people, uh, yeah, like, there might not be... There's probably something you could get them to laugh, but it might not be me. Yeah. But but it also might, depending on, on the situation. So I think my attitude towards that is, you know, you, sh- you should carve out your niche. You should find your audience. Like, you shouldn't necessarily be like, my audience will be this. You should yeah. find it and build it, but... Um, But not. uh, But you shouldn't blame people right away. There's
0: a. I I feel like there's more cursing in this bit than other ones. Maybe maybe not. There's just like a lot. Well, not more. Probably three
1: curses, which felt like a. Oh, let's have three curses in seven minutes. I am I am uh, the like intellectual Andrew Dice Clay. (laughs) But (laughs) do you have a feeling about cursing in your act, especially at the finished product version? Um, I you know I think like probably that like meaning like if, if you could cut it it's it's fine but it's but if you want to you know like, maybe i'm a, i'm like uh i'm just like a really dirty jim gaffigan <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are the two great uh no but meaning the like I, s- yeah. I swear a little like a person would yeah. but not i think an overly uh, like you know amount yeah a uh, large amount but yeah i'd say you know keep it keep it light <laughs> but, but but fuck it up <laughs> That's Just your like, saying on it. It's gonna be a great T-shirt that will make no money. Keep it light, but fuck it up. Yep. Um, Swear it in comedy. <laughs> I also wanted to ask you about
0: the self-BJ part. Yeah. <laughs> Which every time I listen to it, I, I forget that that
1: part is it. <laughs> I know. That's what I... history and sensuality. <laughs> um, you know, there. Uh, I'm trying. Recorded to think- also the idea that it is that he wanted to like record it, and there was no medium for recording it. That makes me laugh a lot. <laughs>
0: But let's, is it that sort of stuff that helps you, and not justify, but like a more typically silly or j- juvenile part of your? Act? Yeah,
1: I mean the joke in that is that for some, yeah, that he was trying to blow himself and somehow capture it at a time when that was not possible, and like the heartbreak that that must cause. Like to me, the joke is all that weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then the best way to convey it, I think, is through a self bj <laughs> Uh uh-uh. I guess. I think that's, yeah. Uh, Do you have any other favorite
0: parts from the the written part of it?
1: Uh, Well, you know, uh, in a sense, one of the things, so this came out, you know, I don't know what, a decade, 15 years after Minority Report? There is no reason for pre-crime and pre-cogs to get the consistent laughs it would across many cities. And I always was, like, so delighted that this thing that kind of shouldn't work always worked and and it could be because it's not even that people are like that like remember minority report is like you get what pre-crime precog yeah, yeah. pre-cog would be but i do love that that Ha- like, really kind of shouldn't work and does consistently work. Yeah, because I haven't, I haven't seen minor, Minority
0: sure. Report, but I think you start with pre crimes so you're like, okay, I think there's
1: problems. Like, you don't yeah, even yeah. say Minority Report. No, I don't. I, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It might just be that it's kind of funny there's... or something, but I always enjoy that working uh, be, sort of – because also, like, the way it works is, like, you write a joke like that and you just try it. And if it works, you keep it. Yeah. And so it happened to keep working, and so I kept it.
0: I imagine there's probably some part of the audience who thinks you invented that idea.
1: Sounds fine. <laughs> I mean, whatever it is about it, it's true that it could just be like he made up this funny thing. That yeah. sounds fine to me as well, you know, um, as long as it works.
0: Hi, it's me, Jesse, you know, from the podcast. I, I just want to take a moment for me talking to you to talk to you for a second. This is an ad for this podcast, which, if you've gotten this far into, you you probably like already, so you're halfway there. Now, I would just like you to tell someone. Are you sitting next to a person who is currently feverishly scrolling through their phone, screaming to themselves, what is a podcast I could listen to? Tell them, good one. Or maybe go, invisibilia, and good one. Uh, If you're not sitting next to someone doing that, you can just rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, I'll say you're good on a future episode of the show. So, for example, uh, T-Troy, which I have to imagine is short for Troy Troy. You're good, Troy Troy. Uh, Or another example, uh, Brooklyn Her, which I have to assume is a sentient phone that you can fall in love with that lives in Brooklyn. Uh, You are good, Brooklyn Her. See? That could be you. Now, back to the show. I wanted to uh, ask you about performing a thing that is kind of already written, so you're so after it's finished, you then have to um, perform it different ways. Um, yeah. But I also, to tie that in, I, I want to play a second joke that also has a, a fixed thing that you're going to be doing a different performance of. So sure. now is the time for the second clip. So, uh,
1: so there's a Whole Foods that opened by my house a little while ago. And uh, when a Whole Foods opens, they really try to ingratiate themselves on the community. And they, you know, source locally and all that, but they also tried to really get in with artists and and various other sort of things and one of the things they kept talking about is how they were going to display the artwork of local artists and have all these artist events, and I don't paint but then when I saw that I was like, I paint (laughs) (laughs) and I became obsessed with having a gallery show at Whole Foods (laughs) and so I made a bunch of paintings that I believe are are quite locally themed and, uh (laughs) And then I even, I got to do it on Seth Meyers where I was like, here's some paintings, I'd love to display them at Whole Foods. And then Whole Foods very begrudgingly was like, yeah, let's talk about it. (laughs) And then set a meeting that never quite happened, but I have not given up my paintings. I only want to display them at Whole Foods. I don't want (laughs) to be displayed. I don't, that's that's my, that's where my art lives. (laughs) So I made a bunch of paintings and I want to show them to you and uh, get them. <laughs> so each painting has a title uh, that I believe is inspired by you know, where I live and who I am. This is called... Uh, gender-neutral child learning about the conflict in Syria. (laughs) This is a curly-haired 38-year-old with several gay friends ordering kale. (laughs) Couple under a tree wishing... They were biracial. <laughs> Two bearded authors arguing about whose childhood was worse. <laughs> Mother breastfeeding a roof goat. Because it is her right. Thank you. I could really see that right by the broccoli Rob. And then lastly, vegan on his way to the complaint store. Thank.
0: So, in the case of that one particular, you have the painting you have to do it. are you and I think there are some cases where you I think there's one where there's two things in that one, but there' was six in another time you, you, you might be repainted it i can't that doesn't matter, but
1: yeah so, I think the well, the first time I ever tried the bit, uh, somebody in the audience offered money for a painting, so I sold it. <laughs> And then I had to redo it, and I was like, that's slightly not worth it. <laughs> um, I have since then, like, so Kristen Schall, uh got a bunch of friends to do an mm-hmm. art showing in L.A. and asked if I wanted to submit some paintings, and I think it submitted, like, one of those and maybe another or two of them or something, and sold them. And then the gallery reached out and was like, we're doing a show on uh, masculinity. Like, would you like <laughs> to submit a painting? And so I made a painting that was something like, uh, I used to cry every day after school, but now I own a Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sold that, and I think like a few others through them. And I have a bit now actually where I'm, uh, I now live on Cape Cod in Massachusetts where I made a whole calendar of my paintings that I, have, uh, that I have sold a little, but I've also snuck into some stores like where I've just like brought them into a <laughs> store with other paintings and left them. <laughs> with like a price, so you could buy it, but no one knows where it comes from.
0: So, uh, w- at least with the <laughs> <laughs> with the paintings, are you had the title and then painted it? Yeah, <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. I would try to think of funny titles and make paintings, and then with a few of them, I think I tweaked the title because, like, the I mean, the thing about the painting is that you kind of have to make it, and then you kind of have to hold it up on stage, and you have to see if people laugh. And so, if they don't, you have to like make a whole new painting or try to tweak the title um because yeah so i think a few of those titles might be different and they might be different between the album version and that or maybe not i can't remember that
0: yeah, and you i think you did it on the meltdown show and there's like a little...
1: oh yeah there might be slight yeah so the meltdown show might have also been like a very early yeah version i can't remember
0: but it's, it's interesting watching those different versions and also the the audio version of this which is on that on your last album and the video version of the of the Portsmouth joke and the performance is different. Are you are you
1: cognizant of uh, how you, are p- how your performance of a joke changes? Um, I mean, some of it is over time. You know, I think that the special and the album were recorded like nine to twelve months apart, um, and so they're like slightly different. I think actually the special was like I think I was just going to largely do the album because I made this album that was seven volumes. Yes. Um, nine volumes. Sorry, volumes. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and then it sort of came about that like we could also do a special, so the material is something like eighty percent the same. Um, but I was originally not even going to do a video like the Netflix version. Um, yeah, so I think it's sort of evolved, or it's maybe the space. You know, I recorded the album over a few nights in like a you know a room that probably is like one hundred and fifty or two hundred, and that was like more of like a bigger the like saloon i'm like that was like a large saloon and the first was more of a small theater space (laughs)
0: um you know how has your awareness of your own voice and how it can be funny changed since you've been on boss burgers
1: um i mean i think it's more that over time you you know you just get a little better probably yeah um i don't know if it's specifically over bob's But as you just act more and you perform more, you are aware of, like, adding emotion or, you know, pausing in certain ways. But I think with stand-up, it's almost that stand-up informs the way you potentially deliver Not the other way around. You're not like, I'm
0: going to do it this way. It's more like you... They both, they
1: help you be funny. So meaning, like, you could say a line that would make somebody laugh. Or even a word, like, you, you know, have, could develop ways of just being like ah and then it's like a little (laughs) funny see what is that what is that did i trick you i don't know um
0: so you you film the joke time passes and as promised the the letter appears in the the guide yeah and um it then before the special comes out it it gets picked up on reddit it it goes viral before the special comes out Mm -hmm. um and, and I was wondering kind of how did you feel about your comedy being presented kind of detached from you and specifically with sort of some
1: places
0: like headlining it? I know like some place like Bob's Burger star angrily responds to Portsmouth. Yeah,
1: City. I know that is I mean, it was fine because if you see the thing, you're like, this is I don't know, a comedy bit. A handful of people, I'm sure, were like, what a jerk or like people were like, what a waste of money, yeah. which is like. To me, the the dumbest criticism of, like, someone doing a bit that they then yeah. sell across different mediums. Um, but, uh, you know, what's funny is it was trending on Facebook. I don't think I knew how Facebook trending worked because I saw it and I was just like, oh, my God, all my friends are talking about this. Like, bit I did. Like, I yeah. thought it was, like, somehow, like, the way that, that things could be made personal to you. I thought that it was, like, the number one trend amongst my friends. And then realized, like no, it was the trend like in America on Facebook, <laughs> um, which was sort of so yeah. I mean, most people I think thought it was funny because most people have gotten a ticket in a situation they found unfair.
0: But you didn't mind that it was
1: presented. I mean, what do you like? I'm more than the thing you most people know me for. <laughs> like no, I don't. I don't care. Like I, uh, I mean, it's still funny. You know, it's
0: not like they're like. T- not like everyone's like taking it seriously it's like it's so
1: yeah if it was like an, an ad about a bad burger I got or something <laughs> and then it was like Bob's Burger isn't a fan of this burger like I don't know that uh, but yeah I think that's like how you're gonna I think that's how it'll be covered I don't know I don't care per se <laughs> yeah. I think it's also fine for it to be detached because it's like clear what it is yeah. it's not like it's so out of context that people are like none of this makes sense what are cars yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> So then, and, and then it was just your special came out soon after.
1: I think that, yeah, a few days after this trended, Netflix was like, oh, let's just release it right now. <laughs> like, they were going to release it at some point that summer, and they just released it.
0: Uh, you mentioned the that you pay for these these ads. I think we've talked about it before. It, are you able to, like, write off these sort of things in your t- taxes as business expense? Yeah.
1: I mean, it is literally a business expense. <laughs> I mean, even if it was just an ad for me, it'd be a business expense. But yeah, it is. And then the funny thing is both this and the Time Warner thing, I mean, they were covered in like, I don't know, like all the major like newspapers yeah. and TV things, like like the amount of sort of exposure that, that I got for that small amount. That's why I think it's so funny when people bother to go like, well, that's a waste. The ticket was only $15. It's like, yeah, but I'm like doing, I'm yeah. touring with stand-up. And if it's <laughs> like, if I get a bit that's like seven minutes, And then I do it on TV. It's fine. It's a great break-even thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Have you ever seen the movie The Prestige? No. Is it anything like The Presidio?
0: I don't know what The Presidio is, so probably not. Okay. It's about magic. Um,
1: Oh. Yeah. Now I think I've seen the trailer.
0: Yeah. You might be thinking of The Illusionist, which came out the same time.
1: Oh, okay. There's one with Christian
0: Bale, and there's one with... Is it about kids that
1: are maybe really magic?
0: No, it's uh, about, it's like literally about m- magic and Hugh Jackman is competing his magic versus Christian Bale's magic and... Is that The Prestige? Yeah. Okay, there's a chance I've seen this. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's actually like the only Christopher Nolan movie I watch. We're not only going to be talking about The Prestige, it's not like a turn out. Sure. Um So there's a part of The Prestige and the only thing I remember, which is what I like, and this is going to spoil part of The Prestige, um, but there's this idea that uh, at least in these magic terms, the the real trick that these people are doing happens every day, and the stage is sort of just their opportunity to convey um, the wonder of sort of the magic that they're doing behind the scenes. Um, so, the question that I wanted to ask you, based on that, or generally, sure. uh, what is the relationship between the life that you kind of live every day and you as a professional stand-up comedian?
1: Um meaning like how like do you you know like do
0: you feel like you live yourself live your life differently do you feel like every day you're a stand-up comedian like you're living hundred percent
1: of stand-up
0: <laughs> existence
1: like meaning like what I like do I like go and go like I don't have poutine and I'm like that's funny that's a good bit I should use that <laughs> like like uh
0: maybe like a, a little bit more thoughtful <laughs> version of that but yeah basically <laughs>
1: I think that what happens in my life or the things that I come across become my stand-up. And then I think of myself, like, people say, like, what do you do? I say, like, I'm a comedian. Yeah. Um, And, you know, with that comes a variety of things that you may do under that. Um, I don't know if I, like, if I'm, like, constantly, like, I don't have, like, a little notebook. Though I try to remember something if I think it's really funny. And then I often forget and then I remember later. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I don't. You're not like,
0: Essentially, you're not constantly searching or putting yourself in situations beyond once you already Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, would out.
1: I fight a cop if I thought it would make a great bit? No. Uh,
0: <laughs> Let me steal this cop's gun and see. Yeah, exactly.
1: How many times you walk past the cop and go, like, but what if I did grab it? <laughs> and like, yeah. But I don't really need like, oh, yeah, and that's when I spent two weeks in jail. Actually, longer. You can't steal a gun from a police officer. Um, yeah, I... You know, I think within reason, like when a horror, like when, so that ticket happened, I was like, maybe I'll, I could turn that into a bit. Um, But I'm also conscious of like, you know, I'm, I have a lot of things where I'm like, that company's annoying, but like where you can't turn it all. Like I, I'm also like equally anxious of becoming low. Like that's, that's the guy who's always mad at shoe stores. Uh, (laughs) Like, like better be the Bob's Burgers star than like, yeah, the guy who's like, always complaining about Macy's. (laughs) Your shirt came unraveled. That's not... Yeah, no, I think that works. Um,
0: You know, the the last sort of decade of stand-up comedy in a lot of ways has been defined about, you know, comedians being truthful or honest on stage. And often that is defined in some people's mind as like being confessional on Mm -hmm. stage. And I was wondering if sort of by being willing to sort of Take your comedy as something you ex- that happens in your day to day life before it is on stage, is and that sort of free exchange is that
1: sort of your way of being honest. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this recently, where there is, it's like, yeah, my it's not confessional in the sense, in the same sense that, uh, you know, it's not like me being like the following is a list of my greatest sadnesses. <laughs> Um, but there is something to a lot of things being either, uh, yeah, actually from my life and then also, or or even like weird bits that, that seem like, uh, like more ephemeral or something, but like actually capturing very real feelings or emotions or, you Mm -hmm. know, pet peeves or whatever it is. So yeah, I think that this, this is sort of my way, I, I think that in general comedy, uh, you know, th- there needs to be a sincerity to it, but that's also whatever that means to you. Yeah. So the sincerity could be like your, uh, a a, a char- You do characters, and then yeah. there's an authenticity. You know, I I always feel like, you know, like Stella, like Showalter and, and David Wayne and, and Michael Ian Black, like you know, their very absurd sort of thing had a real sincerity to it. But then so does like Patton Oswalt's comedy. Yeah, and I think that those are they're both very different, but I think they're both extremely sincere in, in their own way. And so in that same sense, you know, maybe I'm somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for s- people who may like, somewhere along the way, people are like, oh, truth in comedy means that only, like, Louis telling people about yeah, jerking yeah. off whatever means truth. But, right. like, you know, Christian Schall having a birdcage on stage is true to deeper being yeah, as, and, as a person who dreams about yeah, yeah. a birdcage and being like, I guess I have to put right.
1: them. In- right, the only way to be honest isn't, like, the following are the 50 places <laughs> I've come. <laughs> And then I'd be like, and I've cried at 14 of them. Uh, (laughs) And then you're like, there's other ways to be honest, too. I mean, that could be very funny. Um, I mean, they already laughed, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even have to get into... any Anyway. Uh, (laughs) Rue de JFK.
0: Um, In a recent... (laughs) In a recent uh, Chris Rock interview, he was saying uh, if his life went differently, he he would have been a FedEx guy, but like a really funny FedEx guy. I mean, you, you as you said, you majored in comedy. You're essentially, you know, there's a story of you uh, as a book report, lip syncing, uh, Bill Cosby. Yeah. And you know, not as much, you know, what's another job you can imagine doing? But can you imagine just being a person that's funny as not the thing that is d- driving you?
1: Yes. Yeah, totally. Because I also, I think that it would probably actually, you know, I used to think maybe it'd be something relating to academia or something. But I think actually it'd be more some form of weird entrepreneur. Like, I've really enjoyed, like, creating, like, finding spaces and creating scenes and Mm -hmm. communities. And, you know, uh, I have a bit now where I'm like, uh, where where I was doing stuff with Alexa, like Amazon Alexa. But I... Uh, got this like online tutorial to, t- to learn Java <laughs> and to like program it and like make apps so like that is has been kind of fun I don't think I'd be like a programmer but I feel like I would potentially like if I wasn't a comedian would do some sort of like fun maybe entrepreneurial things yeah. that incorporated some of the same elements that you know comedy is sort of you, you find your own way like you know all the advices from everyone like I think that people who um outside of comedy or like people outside of the entertainment industry always think like oh you got to know somebody and then most people in it are just like it's basically tenacity yeah and like you know a, a somewhat relentless tenacity depending on how successful like you're trying to get
0: <laughs> yeah i mean if there's anything it's you once you have a goal you're committed to figuring out how to execute that thing
1: yeah i mean for me it was very helpful that i basically started doing comedy at like 18 yeah that was one of the things that was Really great, and that I did it throughout college and after, and then you know, eventually uh, in exchange for twenty to a hundred dollars. So you need, you know, this is essentially
0: a, a story form of stand-up comedy mixed with this um, a more conceptual, I guess, bit. And you you host a story-related podcast, but mm-hmm. you interrupt it. I mean, what is your you know, feeling about stories in general and sort of how they are best presented that you're necessarily playing upon with the podcast and also sort of breaking it down with something like this? Um, Wait, so that one... So what is essentially your feeling about story as sort of a medium? Of,
1: uh, well, I I mean, also for a podcast... You know, it has to. Be, it it can be funny, but it can also be interesting, and, yeah. and it can be along that range. Um, uh, in general, I think like you should do whatever, like ev- everything that's funny, <laughs> in in like whatever way. Uh, yeah, they is, are funny. Yeah, in whatever way is enjoyable to the people involved.
0: Um, so, so since it's aired, has there been any sort of response from Portsmouth?
1: Somebody reached out to me. I think it, it might have even been like a friend of a friend since I'm in the New England area who was like, Oh, if you ever come back to Portsmouth and you want to meet the mayor, like, you, like you're like, you have like an invitation, I think, to like, or like to stop by. I forget the reason exactly, but it's been like quite warm. Yeah. Um, You know, because I think even, and and I think when you say, like, it comes, you know, it starts with anger, and then, you know, however the bit is conveyed, it's conveyed in such a way that it is, I think, funny, and then the town itself is like, fair enough. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not, like, all you dirty monsters with your lies and your veneer. <laughs> you know, I think I'm just, like, this specific part is upsetting. It's unreasonable. Yeah.
0: It's not like S-Town where you're, like, this place is a terrible place to live and no one should be here. Based yeah. on this one parking thing.
1: Right, right. I'm, like, this is a lovely place, but maybe don't trick tourists You <laughs> are partially tourist-based. <laughs>
0: yeah, If yeah. your goal is tourism, don't go out of your way to make it
1: yes. not nice. exactly. Don't go out of your way to... Yeah, make that part annoying. So, so yeah, I think that it's important. Well, I think also, like, in that and also in the cable thing, it was very important to me to specifically make fun of, you know, either the structure of of, of government or the law or, like, the people in charge. Yeah. Like, like, I think that, you know, you can't be like, this guy came to my house and he was a real weirdo. <laughs> I mean, unless he was, like, a super weirdo. <laughs> like, I think that part you can't, like, you have to attack like the structure and the things that are in power, it still has to be like, yeah. you know you're attacking the things in power and not like you know just being mean to like somebody on a phone,
0: yeah, I mean, even when I, like there' was the time where you recreated uh customer service things, but even yeah. those felt like against the greater structure of the customer service, not yeah, against
1: sort ex- yeah, I feel like those were yeah exactly against like they clearly have a mandate to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and like you can make fun of that mandate More than the people I don't know if that makes sense I'd have to hear it again
0: <laughs>
1: um, Alright so we have
0: uh, It's time for our, our final segment And now you'll do the noise Great uh, So this We can I- edit that out right no. <laughs> we, We're going to edit it in double So uh, <laughs> this is called the laughing round So it's like a lightning round But because it's a comedy It's a laughing round Yep You go like this. Um, Do I do that? No, I already did. Okay. I did it before you even got here when I called it the laughing Round. Great. And um, so, uh, you know, general lightning round rules, but you can answer them really at any pace you want to answer them. Um, So when I first moved to uh, Brooklyn, uh, oh, so many years ago, I went to a show at Union Hall, which was uh, I think is your Comedy Central half hour you had a party for it, probably, it and you like... uh, and I was like, "Oh, that's fun! I'll go watch that." Yeah. And you were watching it and having a great time, laughing at your own jokes, which I found so charming. And uh, I was wondering, what of
1: your own jokes makes you laugh the hardest? Um, like which of my? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's um. I, offhand, like, I don't know the specific joke, but I will say that, like, I think it's actually in that special, um... So that was also, like, my first special probably, which is... But I had a party for a second one, but maybe not for the Netflix, so I've grown jaded. Um... <laughs> but anyway, uh, so in that half-hour special is me, I made ads for shapes. Yes. Like, I made ads and slogans for shapes, and then I would hold up pictures, and... And, you know, you're sitting alone at home and you're like, I'm going to make ads for shapes. And then you're like, well, nobody will enjoy this. (laughs) And then you try it and it really connects. And there's something so joyful about when this really weird specific thing that you think is really funny to just you, and you hope not, obviously... (laughs) And then you do it, and then it like really works, and then people get the spirit of what you're doing. Um, so I think it's a lot of jokes like that. It's a lot of things where it's just this like sort of odd idea that turns out to be much more universal, or as universal as you would hope, is probably the way to put it.
0: Uh, on the other side of it, do you have a bit that you believe really would work and should connect, but never has, but you will go to your grave thinking, that was funny, and, the, and though you don't, you're not once the say audiences
1: are wrong, but you will believe it's funny and you're surprised i have jokes though i cannot think of it offhand. that i can't get to work but actually i have a joke recently that i finally figured it out meaning i had so i won't do the joke uh but it's it's basically a friend of mine not long ago told me that we had an elementary school teacher that told her to not be my friend because i was a loser <laughs> i know the 80s uh and so I, for the longest time, was trying to figure out. So to me, that's hysterical. It's fucking insane. Yeah. You know, I mean, an elementary school teacher telling another child to not be friends with it. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and But I couldn't, you know, I, uh, I couldn't... So when you say that initially, also people are like, well, that's a little sad. And yeah. so, like, you have to make it into a funny bit. And it took me several years until I figured out, like, a punchline that would make that joke work yeah and yeah so that's but that's a joke that i basically was like this is funny but it's definitely up to me to figure out how to convey to people why it's funny or or like turn it into a working joke um so it's more stuff like that there isn't stuff that i that i that i keep doing in the same way and you know there's jokes you have that like and probably it's even throughout that which like you know, say they like some jokes work basically around a hundred percent of the time, and then there's some that maybe work like 75 or 80 that you maybe keep in because you're like, Oh, well, that's that's yeah. fine. Like, and it's like if you have like a five minute bit and like you know, things get a chuckle but sometimes kill, yeah. that's okay. Um, if something like really doesn't work, like you really do have to cut it unless it's structurally important. Yeah,
0: um, since we are in Montreal recording this, I was wondering if you could for a second do the voice of Gene
1: learning what poutine is? Like, someone described, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, first of all, already in the middle of it, because of the voice. Yeah, you mean, like, oh my God! French fries with gravy cheese curds? Yes! Foie gras? Oh, yeah! Great. Tempura
2: shrimp! Oh! Vindaloo! Poulet!
0: Good. Great. Perfect. Um, this Beef <laughs>
1: Bibliotech! <laughs> okay. All done. Um, this... Finding this <laughs> this out the, <one>. the <laughs> library is on it. <laughs> um,
0: the, I'll see. If you, can you uh, say your favorite uh, Stephen Wright or Mitch
1: Hedberg joke in Russian? Um... Sort of. It's like the joke of I came home and everything's been switched for... Anyway, uh, you gotta hear it in the original English from the the comedian. Um,
0: Do you have a favorite uh, joke joke, like a street joke? Um...
1: Kind of <laughs> uh, So, oh like a street joke. So like what's the wor- like the, like what's the worst thing about giving Willie Nelson a blowjob? Sure. Hearing I'm not Willie Nelson.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Eugene Merman, this is a good one. Thank
0: you very much. Uh, have a good just relax. Uh, that's it Bye. That's it for this week's episode of Good One. You can hear more of Eugene's voice every Sunday on Fox on Bob's Burgers and on his podcast, Hold On, which you can find on Audible or wherever you get your podcasts. Vegan on his way to the Complaint Stores on Netflix. Follow Eugene on Twitter for tour dates and such, at Eugene Merman. Good One is produced by Jordan Bell and Jennifer Lai. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to GoodOnePodcast at gmail.com. I am Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. We'll be off next week for Christmas, but we'll be back the Monday after that.